0: Warning, Star Trek from the holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Lock it alone. Fire!
1: Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open sesame! Commander Klingon vessel, we are energizing transport of evil, now! Welcome everyone to Star Trek from the holodeck You can find this show wherever you listen to podcasts Just search from the holodeck Our preferred podcast providers are iTunes and Spotify Leave us a review, give us a thumbs up, share the show We could use all the support and help that you could possibly muster up Alright, hello Dave, how are you? How's it going? Doing good over here you seem confused, Gabe.
0: I was confused because I was going over my notes one last time. Because right. there's, a, there's a lot we got to pull from this episode. Is there? Is there a lot to pull? <laughs> you know, I, I did my best.
1: <laughs> I did my best to navigate well, this. This <laughs> is not a good way to start the show because now people are going to think we didn't like the episode. Exactly. I liked the episode. It was very simple episode. It was. Extremely simple. It was funny. Uh, charade is, the, I believe, charade is the name of the episode. Yeah. It's an episode of Trek that, I guess the best way to describe it, it, it models itself after so many other iterations of Trek episodes that came before where we see the writers use what I would say has become, for better or worse, a trope of Star Trek, and that is an accident of some kind occurs, yeah, and it changes the character either permanently or temporarily. But the effects of that change is lasting on their core identity, uh, their characterizations, etc. The best of these episodes typically use this method as a way to flesh out a character. Otherwise, why do it? Yeah usually characters that have been created and or written in ways that make it difficult to really understand what they are thinking. Characters like data characters like instant row from TNG characters that suffer trauma, like Picard, Neelix, who was the self-proclaimed morale officer of Voyager, a character that typically was optimistic to a fault, but when he experienced death, he was nudged into notions of nihilism or existentialism, depending on how you want to view it that undermined his faith. So these are just a few examples of episodes of Trek that borrow, or I should say, that use similar ideas to flesh out characters that are less explicit in the way they act and more implicit, and you dissect them. Yeah. That's why these accident episodes work, and that's pretty much... What they did with Spock. He's a character that's governed by logic, suppressed emotions. So what better way to really find out what's going on behind the curtain?
0: And that that sounds all great on paper. The one thing that I, I wrote on here on my notes was like that was really highlighted was good episode, but it almost basically just trends on water we already know. And we know about Spock's conflict with his human and uh, Vulcan nature. We
1: already know that. Okay. Do as, as Star oh, okay. Trek fans, we, there you go. As Star Trek. Fans, we we know, already know. We know. Now look at this from a more narrow perspective and view it just as a fan of strange new worlds. Ooh, that, this is an entry type of show.
0: That is, that is the issue I think I really front and center had with this, with this episode is because for me, I can understand the idea of using this episode to kind of, okay, let's, let's explain this character out just like what you said for the mass audiences so that we can, we can double down and basically make sure that the audience understands this is a character of importance for the show. And we, we want to
1: make sure Everyone understands this character, okay. Well, and and not just understand who he is, but also where he is currently in the season, at a at a an emotional level.
0: That I, I understand that logic, like like you were alluding to. My issue came at as a Star Trek fan. I love Strange New Worlds because they always have this added element into, into their episode where. It feels like they're adding on to something, or pushing something forward, right? Here, they're just pushing the same idea that we as Star Trek fans already know. We know about the conflict in, inside Spock. We know about the, the uh, uh, you
1: know, racist elements that was there for Amanda, his mother. I think possibly where you're coming from, and I don't want to speak for you, but I'm trying to interpret some of your thoughts here. It seems like the episode was fine, just fine for you, but we have seen episodes that are similar in nature that are possibly far better. Is that? Yes, okay. Absolutely. Cause, Cause I would agree with that because as I mentioned, I mentioned the episodes with instant row yeah. where there was a transporter accident and she reverted in age and became an adolescent I mean, that episode was amazing for her. Oh, yeah. It really was used to help the audience really understand a character who's not overly open with her feelings, emotions, thoughts. So that was a great way to really understand that character. Yeah. And it was very well written. Then you have the issues of Picard, you know, Helping him, you know, accidents to get him to talk. We saw so many things happen to him throughout the seven year run of TNG oh, yeah. to get a character who's very reserved, very professional to open up. So episodes of Trek, we've seen um, we've seen these types of things. And I mentioned the Neelix episode, which, which is, is probably one of the best episodes of Voyager.
0: Yeah, it is one of my favorites. That's why I actually am really happy you mentioned about the Neelix one, because for me, that's the template. That's the, that's how you take a character and add some nuance to that character so that the audience can understand them a bit more and get more invested into them.
1: And you're saying that you don't feel like they added much to Spock.
0: Yeah. Like I, I came out of the episode. I was like, okay, um, I don't know what else you can say about other than we know how Spock, we know how Spock feels. We've known that since you know watching the entire series, even even up to Discovery, when they first introduce this version of Spock, we know that he's the child of two worlds, and that's been an ongoing thread for the longest time. And it's kind of like, okay, this is a child of two worlds type of story now told in a more comedic element, which I enjoyed. It's yeah, not it as was serious. Funny.
1: It was funny. I thought it was, there was legit funny moments. There
0: was legit funny moments. Yeah. And I thought that giving, giving Ethan Peck this time to show his range was good because like getting him to, to not be Spock essentially to me, it seemed like they basically said, okay, Ethan, just be yourself. Just be yourself. And it, it allowed him to actually show more range for him which is great, which is great for, for an actor and everything else. But for a character, I don't see how this is, this episode could be say this was an important episode in, in regards to the history of Spock.
1: Right. And we'll go through all of that because you make great points. I don't necessarily disagree, but just to get things going a bit, let me summarize essentially what happened in this episode. We saw Spock, as you had mentioned, struggle throughout the last seasons. And if you know Star Trek, you follow Star Trek history, you know that we've seen these types of struggles for yes. a very long time. It's pretty much a part of his, of his core characterization. As you mentioned, the, the man of both worlds. What was the terminology? The child of, the two, child worlds. of two worlds. You know, And using the, the accident, if you will, as a way to get into the mind to really dissect those layers, pull back the curtain, I believe is what I said a moment ago. And that's what we saw with Spock in this episode, a character that strives to be Vulcan, struggles with being honest with his emotions, was stripped of his Vulcan identity in order to privilege his human side. And by doing so, the audience was given what ended up becoming. And I feel like this is the key point, Dave, that you didn't touch on. A major turning point in a love story That's been simmering since the beginning of season one. Spock and chapel are seemingly taking their feelings to the next level. And that's something that I was not expecting for them to do this soon. Yeah. In the series. So from that perspective, I like that they were able to get the ball rolling when it comes to that scenario, which they wouldn't have been able to get to that point as quickly if they didn't strip away all of his Vulcan layers, if Vulcan you will. layers, yeah. That was more or less the point, to really start getting into this relationship between Spock and Chapel. Yeah. And that's something we have never seen with Spock. Have we ever seen Spock truly involved in a romantic relationship? No. <laughs> and that's why I felt like at the end of the episode... They did something clever and you not, not clever, something unique. Yeah. Something showing us a side. We've, we've never seen this side of Spock ever.
0: Yeah. We've, it's been alluded to. It's been alluded to in little teases and, and we're we're talking about
1: slash fiction here with, uh, you know, with bone and Kirk and McCoy, (laughs) (laughs) which I believe that's actually what started the term slash
0: slash fiction. Yes. But like, Getting a chance to see this side of Spock is great. But as I said, it took me a moment because I viewed this, I viewed this twice, this episode twice. And the first time I was really conflicted about it because I was like, okay, well, that it, everything checked out, all the boxes were checked, but I felt like
1: I didn't get much out of it, like the past episodes. And then the second go around, I think you and I are just, we're more about serious episodes when it comes to Star so. Trek. Comes down to comes down to taste. And you and I like to analyze. We like philosophy. We like deep character studies. That's why we like Star Trek V. Even though Final Frontier gets a terrible rap, oh yeah. Rap. And so does the motion picture. You and I both appreciate both those films. Because of what they do philosophically. And when it comes to uh, the the main component of Gene Roderick's vision for Star Trek, which is the understanding of the human condition.
0: And that's the biggest thing about this episode is like, th- I took out was like, it was a good story of the human condition. Showing Spock, this is what it means to be human. Dealing with your emotions.
1: And I appreciate the fact that didn't end in a. Being human means getting unwanted boners randomly. Yeah, like in <laughs> front like, of, uh, <laughs> in front of Chapel. Leanne, no La Anne. <laughs> but like that's the best. The 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 thing I really she liked was into about- it though. You could tell she wasn't put off. She by was surprised. It. She was like, hmm. If it wasn't for Chapel, she would be. She would be. It would be, oh, yeah. She'd be like, yeah. okay, I- let's do this. Uh, she'd like to test those waters. She was trying to be a good friend. <laughs> she was <laughs> trying to be. A good f- she didn't want to take him away from Chapel.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. She didn't want to. She didn't want to block Chapel, unfortunately. But then you know that can lead into a lot of fan fiction of threesomes and everything else.
1: What? Hey. <laughs>
0: now that, that's in your
1: head, now, is it? Sometimes you got to experience <laughs> humanity and all its pleasures. And all its pleasures. But like, I my mean, data did. Second like episode in. <laughs> no, that's true.
0: But the one thing I did like about the episode's ending was the fact that it had that element of I don't want to say kind of like sadness or anything, but it showed the 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 consequences of Spock's actions. He still didn't win out completely because he sh- he he, sh- he was shown that basically his relationship with Uh Tapring was on the rocks like this person that basically she didn't want to reconcile with him after the engagement thing solely because he
1: deceived her. They're really changing that entire. I, I don't want to say they're changing it. They're giving us such interesting new nuance. insight nuance that it really makes us look at to pring a bit different. Oh, it does in the original series to praying came off as just a prejudice, just as prejudiced as, ha- as, um, as how her mother was portrayed yes. in this episode of strange new worlds. Now we see these problems and how she keeps trying and Spock is just kind of a dumb dude. Yes. <laughs> you know, a little clueless, a little clueless. And he is kind of responsible for pushing her away. It does make you view the original series episode where she chooses another lover. And in the completely second, different. And the second go around, that's what I pieced together
0: was like, if there's something I could actually say new, that they added a little nuance to the star Trek history is the fact that now you look back at that episode and you understand this moment when he deceived to is just like how in the original series, she deceived him in in the episode by tricking him to come back to Vul- Vulcan. And because, then made
1: him fight Kirk.
0: And made him fight Kirk. To, to the death. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know if that means she was
1: jealous of Kirk, but you know. I always <laughs> thought she had a thing for Kirk the way she, it might just be the, the the writing of the original series and how Kirk had to be that sex, the sex figure or the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The sex symbol. Yeah. The sex symbol. So every woman needed to have these longing eyes. For Kirk Because <laughs> there was Captain a moment Kirk, yes. where Pring looked at him with like, Shameless intrigue.
0: (laughs) And and now you think about it. It's kind of like now was now was she doing that because she was getting back at Spock.
1: Yeah. Or after everything, it'll be interesting to see how they end up playing with all of this new information. So let's move into the episode a bit more. There really isn't a lot, but we can focus on a few things. The things that we've already been discussing are the key aspects that are probably the most interesting. The Spock and Nurse Chapel, yeah, aspects I think is the most interesting, obviously, because we know somewhat where the two of them were relationship-wise in the original series. In numerous episodes, there seemed to be a bit of tension, romantic tension, but it, it was never explicit. It was implicit. And the way the writers are filling the narrative gaps in strange new worlds is fun for a fan of the original series to see how they got to that point because we know it's not going to work out. And because it's not going to work out, possibly the original series now could be viewed in retrospectively as, well, the reason why there's romantic tension is because they're annoyed with each other.
0: Yeah. Or it, it also adds to that element, like what we talked about discussed in one of the prior shows that we were talking about, about the motion picture. that shot of when Spock comes back to the enterprise and chapel looks at him uh, as he uh, walks onto the bridge and she almost has like this, you know, hurt look on her face when she first sees him. Yes. Spock snubs her. Come on. Yeah. Spock snubs her because he, he, uh, yeah. Shut that down. Yeah. He shot that down and he removed all of his emotions. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so the writers have always relied heavily on the franchise's encyclopedic capacity, which basically refers to gaps or excesses in the unfolding of a story. And then they go in later down the road, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and start filling in the gaps. You introduce pot- potential plots, which cannot be fully told, or sometimes they they can just be extra details, which then hint at more uh, aspects that can't be revealed until later in other series. And that's exactly what they do with strange worlds. And that's one way to look at strange worlds rather than retreading. It can be looked at as a bit of a series designed to fill the excess or narrative gaps.
0: Yeah. To fill, fill it up with like subtle nuances for like fans that basically are hardcore fans that know the history and that's what I think has been their strength. This, I mean, particularly with this past season, is the subtle nuance way that the writers have approached, hey, we're going to touch on this part of Star Trek lore. We're not going to openly go, uh, go at it, but we're going to add it to our overall narrative. And I think a lot of people online are comparing this particular episode to season one's episode that first introduced to Pring, which is the amok time. And everyone, uh, I have to say, when you compare the two episodes, I think amok time does a better job adding more of a nuance. It's a much better episode. Yeah. Adding a much more nuance to the history of Star Trek than here. And, you know, I, I, I'm like you. I'm not saying that basically this episode was bad, but it was just kind of like if you told me you could skip this episode,
1: I would be 50-50 on it because there's not. But mo- that would mean you would lose their uh, relationship of Spock. Of Spock and, and Chapel. And Chapel coming to a head.
0: Yeah. And that's where I was left with when thinking about this episode is like I like all the stuff that we were seeing. Um, I like the performances. The writing was on par. It was. It's kind of like one of those episodes that it's a filler. It feels as funny as it sounds. It feels like a filler episode of past Star Trek series. You get to like the. Uh, you get like a really good episode, and then you follow it up with a filler episode. And that filler episode, like suddenly that that. Epic episode that happens because TNG was infamous for this. They'd have this epic, awesome episode and then followed up with a Geordie episode <laughs> or Barkley episode.
1: Hey, Barkley's episodes were always solid. And yeah, How they dare were, you? They,
0: they're, they're solid, but they're, it's almost like you could feel that narrative dip. Where it's like, okay, let's well, take a break. Not everything breathe.
1: needs to be super ser- serious when you're dealing. Now that hold on, let me backtrack just a second. Okay, when you're dealing with 27 episodes, you can afford to do that. When you're dealing with a series like Strange New Worlds, and this is where I have some problems. I don't know what Pike's doing this season. Uh huh. We're halfway through the season. We're halfway through the season. And I don't really know what they've done. And that's not necessarily a complaint. And I'm just going to leave it at that because I want to wait till the end of the season so that we can fully and fairly analyze and compare the first season to the second season. Yeah. But if you look at the opening five episodes of the first season compared to the opening five episodes of this season, I feel like this season pales in comparison to what they accomplished within those opening five episodes of the inaugural season. Yeah there was a lot more character development there was a lot more cohesive connections between characters and their development and also of course going back to the the migratory cues of star trek where you then answer some of those questions that were posed in other iterations of trek other texts of trek this season it has been great i stand by our our rmd scores But moving into the sixth episode now, I'm looking back and I'm like, I'm not sure that this is the way to go when you're dealing with such a shortened season. It seems like they should probably, and I said this, David, before the series premiered, I said, I don't know if an episodic format will work for such a shortened season. And you know, what's the weirdest
0: part? Last season, they won us over. It it seemed to work perfectly
1: because they had Pike as their through line as their through line. He wasn't the focus of every episode, but he was the through line this season. He's not the through line. Now there was some news that was dropped. I want to say Anson Mount took to Twitter, I believe, or there was an interview he did where he shared why he's not present in the opening episodes. Apparently his wife was having a child. Yeah, apparently they had to write around it. They had to write around him. I think that might have been a mistake. Because Pike already is the most sidelined captain prior to season two. He is the most sidelined captain in all the Star Trek.
0: Oh yeah. Especially since if
1: you take a look at the past. Do you mean do you know what I mean by sideline? Yeah. Like he's just he's not the focus. He's not the focus. He he may be the last season, like I said, the through line, but they really focus a lot on other characters, more so than any other Star Trek show that was episodic in its form. Season two there really isn't much of Pike. I mean, he's a side character. He's a sidekick, especially in this last episode. Oh yeah, and he is comic relief.
0: And if you look at it, the, the most Pike episode we ever got was the last one, which was the uh, one with the Lotus Eater ones. And uh, that was because, and that was one of their arguably their much more stronger
1: episodes this past season. Writing, while is, it wasn't as strong as the previous three but intent. Intent, that's the thing. Yeah, when it comes to intent and substance, it's definitely one of the stronger.
0: Because they they touched they retouched on that thorough line that we all thought okay, this is going to be the thorough line for season 2, which is Pike trying to show the importance of everyone's destiny. And this was the close this was the the, the last episode was the one that did that. Ever since then, we've been jumping around. We've been jumping around to different ports of crew. And yeah, we have moments like the episode with, uh, Le- Anne and Kirk going back in time, which
1: was fantastic, but no Pike. <laughs> no, <laughs> anyone except Leanne. and except that is a great, I, a great episode. I love the episode. And that's why I feel a bit torn, Dave, because mm-hmm. these episodes would be fine If we had 20 episodes, if we had 15 episodes, it probably would be okay. But we have such a shortened season. Yeah. We're not really getting a fully realized season because we're going to the episodic format. I'm going to use an episodic show that's recent, not Star Trek, as an example here that is shortened in its later seasons, and it's Lucifer. The show yeah, that yeah. Uh, originally aired on regular network television. It had, I want to say it had the usual 20 plus episodes. Then it moved over to Netflix for, I believe it's final two or three seasons. Yeah. And it had drastically cut its seasons in half. Cause that's what Netflix does. And I was concerned. I'm like, well, how are you going to do an episodic format in such a short amount of time? They did it the right way. They had episodic for, they had the episodic format but they also had the through line. There was an emotional through line for one or two individuals that we were always reminded of supernatural did this too, during its first five seasons. Mm -hmm. This show doesn't really have that. This season doesn't have something that keeps it overall cohesive. If we had 20 plus episodes, as I said, it probably would be just fine.
0: And remember me and you last episode were saying, okay, what is the thorough line? we thought it was going to be Pike. We thought it was that. And then we tossed around the idea. Well, maybe the line is the theme of destiny that all these characters are destined of some importance. That's why their history, their memories are important.
1: So I don't know, David, really what I'm trying to say other than I, I guess we need to wait till the end of this season before we can definitively say that maybe the episodic format isn't the right choice for such a shortened season order.
0: And let's, let's be honest. The writers in the in the writing room. And Strange New Worlds. Have earned that. They earned us to basically say. We'll wait till the end of the season. Because you guys did such a stellar job. With the first season. And you're doing okay with this job. This is how good television is
1: rewarded. In fact let's rephrase that. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with this season. What I'm seeing. Our potential cracks that can lead yeah. to an uneventful ending. Mm-hmm. That's, I guess, my point. I, I feel like the writing's on the wall that if we keep getting episodes like this, by the time we get to the end, we're gonna shrug and say, "Okay, so what did this season do?"
0: Or even worse, what happens if they rush the ending? Because doing episodic format, me and you have discussed about the the, the cons of episode episodic format. When you get to season finale. That's why old shows had part one and part two of a season finale, because they had to rush everything all at once and try to get their ending uh, for their series right away.
1: Yeah. So let's switch gears just a bit, David. There were some issues with the writing of the script as well. And I want to see if you caught it. There were logical issues. There were weird, logical issues pertaining to the story. <laughs> the story. <laughs> You're trying to fit. Well, I want to be nice about this because yes. it was really, it was, a, it was, to me, it was a giant red flag that there was something off. So there were logical issues pertaining to the story and the Kirkovians. They went missing. This is the idea, right? They went missing a long time ago. But no one knew where they went, even though they left behind a giant Giant fucking fucking vortex vortex. (laughs) that could transport anyone to their new home in the interdimensional space. And no one's mystery solved. What did you lose communication? Is that what it was? You never bothered to venture out. Yeah. Did anyone (laughs) decide to go check on this? Well, they haven't been answering any of our calls, so they must have went missing. That was funny as it sounds Mike. funny as it sounds. Did you catch that too? Yes. I'm like, wait but a second.
0: We're supposed to believe. A friend, a friend of mine actually told me, wait, David, wait, before uh, you say okay. anything, uh, wrath okay. of Khan. What happened? What? The Federation never checked up on Khan just like them. David,
1: <laughs> that's different. They were never looking for Khan. You tell your friend he's an idiot. They, they, they were but but never, they never checked on that space. They never were looking for Khan. They said that the kirkhovians have been missing and no one yep. knows what happened to them did you ever bother to go check out that vortex hovering above their above former the home world, world? <laughs> i know that's the,
0: i was trying to give 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 <sighs> dude,
1: some fans that, some logic that through. was a little fucking that's bad dude and this episode was actually written by one of the showrunners yes <laughs> did i miss something or is that really what the story was, right? That was their story, the Kerkovians, right?
0: The Kerkovians, yeah. Okay. Apparently they basically disappeared into this vortex and And they seemingly come and go as they please. As they please. Stan. That basically I actually like that light. idea.
1: That the Kirkovian idea was great, the idea of this interdimensional space, but it should have been something other than a giant vortex. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hey, this is where they
0: yeah, went. <laughs> You could have actually looked here. Nah. It it's
1: probably not there. Hey, what's that vortex over there? <laughs> Never mind that. We're looking for the Cergovians. They've, They've been missing. But there's a vortex <laughs> there. <laughs> Aren't we going to investigate that? Nah. Our nah. core mission, it's is called to seek out <laughs> new life. <laughs> we ain't seeking shit out.
0: And that's what I mean. It's got, it it definitely leaves itself leaves itself open for you know parody from like lower decks. Oh please, lower decks. Please, lower decks. <laughs> you got to do this. Get on this asap, please. <laughs> and 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 that's the thing is kind of like I get that this episode was supposed to be very lighthearted, and
1: you know we're you, supposed to take you, a step back. David, don't justify you could still have a lighthearted feeling to your script and not write in logical inconsistencies. It's <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, I was
0: actually wondering if, because I have that in my notes, I'm going, is Mike going to point this out?
1: <laughs> well, So <laughs> I it- thought maybe the vortex had opened when they approached it, like the wormhole. I'm like, no, okay, no, it's been there for the while. Yeah. So for, I had to rewind it because at first I'm like, Oh, like the vortex is just there. <laughs> it didn't just open when they approached it like DS9's wormhole. Yeah, so I had to go online and look it up. And this is what I learned. In the distant past, the Krakovians built an impressive physical civilization with several cultural sites. It was rumored that they possessed a robust system of medicine, more advanced. Eventually the Kirkovians abandoned their homeworld and migrated into interdimensional space. And why they left <laughs> behind a stable vortex that served as a transport tunnel into their new realm. They literally gave you the fucking road as well as the map and said, here we are. Where did they go? This, this is the biggest mystery in our modern age where are the, <laughs> um, I can see a lower decks cast member, like actually knowing the answer showing up. Um, th- there's a vortex. Does anybody <laughs> want to check out that
0: vortex dude? Actually, where are you? We know that there's, we know that there's a crossover event coming with lower decks. This has me more psyched to actually have the lower decks characters show up on strange new worlds. Because if they start making fun of some of the things that we've been seeing, it'll be just that
1: that chef's kiss. It'll be the cherry on top of everything. David, it gets worse. The apparent disappearance of the Kerkovians remained a mystery. <laughs> yes, they never explained. Mike, that's the thing that dr- drove me nuts. It's like,
0: why did they leave? No, no explanation. When they left everything behind
1: and went into this vortex I don't, For think, what reason? I don't think <laughs> For what all reason? of the current science vessels that are exploring and surveying this region of space during this time period, they all need to be recalled and every single fucking captain needs to be replaced because they're <laughs> not doing their job because all the USS enterprise had to do apparently was do a quick scan and they detected the vortex. The vortex. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, like what captain
0: misses this? What, what, science officer misses this. <laughs> and, and that's why I said now that now it has. Okay.
1: If this is the reason why lower decks gets brought in. Okay. It's not David. It's not. <laughs> Imagine if D space nine had this type of logic, the show never would have started. <laughs> we can't find the work. T- <laughs> what's that? What's that thing floating above Bejor? Oh, it's nothing. It's, it's nothing. nothing. Better, <laughs> it's better leave that unexplored. <laughs> but it might have all the answers
0: nah 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 nah, nah. Uh, shouldn't we just fly right through it no 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 we don't want to disturb them
1: (laughs) we're not venturing quite yet into mean spirited territory because it's deserved it's deserved deserved. we're given a, a hearty ribbing we're poking the riders in the ribs. Yeah. Like, come on guys. <laughs> Put something behind <laughs> us, please. All right. So Dave, this does bring us to the end of our show. I'll just keep it simple. It's an 82% for me. I like where the episode took us by the end. Yeah. And I enjoyed the humor. I love seeing Ethan Peck be able to spread his wings a bit as an actor. I always enjoy when these types of actors get to do something different. Like when Brent Spiner was able to break the, the typical data facade and do something different. Yeah. It was always fun because in my opinion, Brent Spiner is probably one of, if not the best actor in all of star Trek, in my humble opinion, he is a fantastic talent that just has constantly been overlooked by Hollywood So those episodes are great when you get to see what these actors really can do. So Ethan Peck was able to show us his acting chops and he did a fantastic job and the ending with chapel and Spock. I'm a softie. I like romance. I like chapel. I like Spock. It's interesting. And I am intrigued and I'm curious to see where the direction goes moving forward. I also like that chapel didn't want Spock being human even though that was a really interesting aspect to chapel's growth this episode i thought that was interesting even though he was easier to talk to and possibly even more familiar because of his uh humanity if you will she didn't want to change spock that made her more endearing yes the fact that she loved spock how he is I thought it was great for her as well in terms of, of character development. So overall, I liked what they were doing. It's just how they got there. It did feel a little sloppy. This isn't the best written script. Yes. Um. And then of course, those logical inconsistencies with the vortex. So it's an 82%. Yeah.
0: I'm with you there. I'm, I have this written down as an 85. It is the lowest strange new worlds episode for this season. That, that being said is not I don't hate it I thought that basically It reminded me as I alluded To earlier of like past Star Trek ep- uh, Seasons where it's like you have a filler Episode you have a joke episode That deals with a character okay let's Let's not you know Fully Take this seriously But with that Said I love the fact that you bring up That works back then in today's world, you can't do stuff like this. You can't be sloppy. And the, and I like the fact that you used that word in the end of your review was it is sloppy. The The writing here was sloppy because you take a look at it, there's now inconsistencies they put that normally Strange New Worlds is not known for in, inconsistencies. They're not known to be sloppy. They gave us a really tight season last uh last season that hadn't it's a great series and it didn't have any sloppiness did not have lazy writing this is the first time i looked at this episode and i'm like going this feels lazy partially lazy sloppy definitely because of the inconsistencies but at the end of the day i still had fun with it because you know they've they've earned me as their audience that i might go i find myself basically looking at this episode go oh okay you think you found yourself liking this episode. I found liking this episode oh, okay. <laughs> because of all the little subtle nuances that was in the episode. Yeah, you know, like in the second go around, I started focusing on, you know what? Yeah, Ethan Peck seeing is seeing his range. I like seeing Chapel.
1: Chapel's story being more. I, I wish they would have given her more time. But the actor that plays Chapel, she's really got great screen presence. She's
0: got great screen presence. And I think that she should have had more time. But in saying that, it's kind of like, okay, well, where do you fit her? Or where do you fit more more time for Chapel's character? Especially since you take away Pike. Because Pike, there was nothing here for Anson Mount to do. Except being these,
1: as you said, like... He's the chef. He's the chef. Yeah.
0: He's the, he's the wingman.
1: He's the wingman of the everything. Yeah. And he, listen, Anson Mount plays every, every, anything they throw at him. He does great Oh, He does great with, even though he was playing such a marginalized role. He owned every single moment. Oh yeah. But
0: that's the thing is like, that's partly the irritation is you have Anson Mount there, but you're not utilizing him.
1: David in retrospect, Years down the road, if they continue down this track, it'll be one of the biggest travesties of Star Trek. Let's say five years, six years down the road, the show comes to an end and then becomes a part of Star Trek history for all time. And then when we go back years later and we review all the episodes of Star Trek, we talk about the captains, we're going to look at Strange New Worlds. If they don't change course when it comes to Pike and we're going to say, God damn it. Anson Mount was a top tier talent. Captain Pike was so fucking interesting. And the show as a whole kind of squandered him. Yeah. I don't want to say that in years to come. Oh yeah, absolutely. So anyways, Dave, I will say one last thing before we close out. I love that spot. Well, I don't know if I love it, but it is funny. Spock and Dupring are taking time apart. <laughs> yes. And Spock reacts just like a dude bro would. Yes, he does. Well, it ain't cheating now. Yeah. First (laughs) chance he gets. All right. Let's close out the show. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back very soon with our discussion on episode six.
0: Live long and prosper. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain. It runs deep. Share it with me. End simulation.